0: Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to a question and answer special with Mr. James Bledge about the Open this
1: year. Welcome, Bledge. How good are you morning, feeling? Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon. Feeling good. Been in the garden all morning this morning. It's Sunday morning, wife and kids are in watching the England Spain Women's World Cup finals, and me and you are in uh, in the office, aka the sweat box.
0: Yep. Trying to. Uh kind of get some questions through we've had so many
1: (laughs) yeah they've been great we've been really appreciative of everyone that kind of took the time to ask questions on instagram facebook and twitter uh, which is really cool it shows there's a lot of people that are still engaged with it which is what we're always after we're very grateful for it Um, well
0: Bledge before we start asking these questions what have you been up to over the past few weeks now the open has has ended
1: certainly the kind of long hours have subsided we've been uh my mother broke her leg the week after the open, so I've been up and down to Scotland uh, and back up next week for a holiday. Did she get a him. new puppy? Uh, yeah, she got a new puppy, yep. Uh, and then broke her leg. What's he called? Oh, God. I've forgotten what he's called. That's terrible. He's Ginger. <laughs> It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Right, anyway, so it's been a bit of a disaster there. Poor mum. Uh, and... Next week heading up to play, to meet one of the apprentices that was uh, working at the Open, Max, Maxie from Presswick. Brilliant. And playing with Nelly from Southern S and from the Galloway. Uh, Meeting Richard Windows as well from Troon, so that'll be next weekend, which is really great. And starting to get my life back quite a bit now and spending some more time with the kids at night, you know I've been doing my garden, as you've seen earlier when I was hoisting a a, a telehandler loaded bark over the top
0: of the hedge. I arrived to the bungalow and there was a um a a ton of bark
1: hanging over a over the fence wasn't there yeah the, the great thing about having the open here is we have loads of brilliant machinery that i can steal every now and then so uh, if i speak nicely to the contractor so that can kind i of saved me a few hours and a load of wheelbarrowing. but yeah <laughs> yeah that's been great but the the, the the god the course looks different now doesn't it oh
0: yeah unbelievable so give us an update on the infrastructure cuz it's
1: almost all gone. Some of I would the say eighty percent down now. Yeah, it yeah, says. And underneath, has left a lot of dead grass. And but it's actually I totally feel all right about it. We uh, have got a a, a rake and a mechanical rake that we've been busting up all the dead ground with and picking up uh, all the dead grass and. Letting the air get into it, and then we'll seed the bits where there's where there's n- where there's no grass at all, and the rest of it will come back. The seed bed's been there for hundreds of years, so uh, feel completely okay about it. We've got a wee magnet that we buzz about in. That, okay. Uh, uh, Sandy Reed brought down from St Andrews for us during the open, which has been amazing. Like literally brought down one of the mornings of in the back of his car, it goes in the back of your buggy and you just drive it about, and you bing, bing, bing. and you know, oh, wow, picks it picks up things. Loads of uh, O-ring, uh, sorry, uh, washers and R-clips and all sorts. And I think one of the questions is what's the weirdest, is one of the weirdest or best things that's been left behind. And sadly, there's been nothing at all. I was yeah, hoping uh, that Johnny would go out there and pick up a Rolex or something, but <laughs> I'm afraid we have literally got three or four buckets worth of screws and nails, you know, so... Not quite as exciting. Yeah, but I mean... the it's we have the shop still standing, isn't it? And the eighteenth grand stands half down.
0: But also those those things, the um the three story origins building, mm. the hospitality thing, the amount of stuff that was inside those structures. Yeah. So like just to get it to the point where you can start taking down the, the structure I know. is a massive amount of
1: work. Isn't it's really it difficult to get your head around the open infrastructure actually. Uh, and for me and everyone says all this for four days, you know, or eight days, really, I guess. But it's uh, it's true, though, isn't it? What a hell of a work! What yeah. a hell of a work from the not end to March. So having, I mean, at one point I think there was a thousand people on site or something like that. Work. Really? Mm. <laughs> uh, it's 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 off the scale. Uh, I mean, when I say that, that's all chefs and waiters and volunteers. Yeah. And uh, but I mean, it's it's absolutely crazy. And yeah, we're, I can, we, there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And do you know? It's like a shout out to uh, Steve Harrier and Kenny and uh, and a a grant that do all the infrastructure work and they're in charge of all that because these boys graft hard and all the teams that do that, I know they'll never listen to this podcast, but from my side, I appreciate all the work they do. It's pretty amazing. Well, an an enormous undertaking to I build do a, bit of a city podcast,
0: son. Well, quite yeah, like us. But um, I mean they they built a town, didn't they? They built yeah, they did, a town. Eh? They yeah. built a town, Um mm. I always think this is amazing. So, in Hoylake, just for context. I think they're about five and a half thousand people. That's like the population of (laughs) Hoylick. And it was over, well, it was 10 times that. Yes. 75,000 a day. 75. Yeah.
1: I think so. And some of the busier days, it was 75. Yeah. on the, on the main championship days. I mean, okay, well, there you go. Unbelievable. Um, well, Apart from trying to get your
0: life back and source out your garden, we had our knockout, which was unsuccessful.
1: Yeah, we, we were coasting as well. We weren't coasting. We went to the 18th, but we, we were confident. You know, we were doing. We were playing good golf, and we managed not we? Though, with the course being close and yeah. and, and everything. I and, think these boys we were playing rusty. were just practice practice badgers they were practicing and practicing and different level cutting yep. his lawn and practicing so well done jason and andy deserved
0: victors and uh the the dream dies for another year bledge and we know that andy will be probably will be cutting his lawn Listen, to this so he probably will yeah. yeah so hope you got your straight lines andy um and talk about cutting lawns what else have we done bledge in southport
1: Oh, yes. We uh, we visited the, the British Lawnmower Museum. <laughs> <laughs> that was our Badgers day out, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. and we, we went with uh, a couple of major trustees at the club. A couple of, a couple couple of, of big of boys. A couple of the old boys. Yeah. Um, who have got and booted for the, the event, actually. actually?
0: Two people who have both written books on Hoylake, actually. Mm. Anthony and Joe.
1: Yeah. Um, Two of my favourite members.
0: Ah, um, uh, Belta. Um, Anthony wrote The Evolution of Hoylake, if anyone's out there has read that book, it's a great series. Richard Latham um, of Woodall Spa. He did Royal County Down, uh, Muirfield, Hoylake, and and Woodall Spa as well. I guess um, the Latham series. I think and Anthony helped put that book together for for Hoylake, mm-hmm. and it's 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 the best it's the best book on the evolution of the golf course at, at Hoylake. It's fantastic, and then Joe Pino, often seen in his um, in his bow tie, people I'm sure will have seen him on social media somewhere. Joe also a club historian and and wrote the mighty winds. Santa wins. Claus at Christmas. Santa the, Claus at Christmas. spoiler it all out. Um, you've ruined my. He's Santa.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, that's sad. No, he's a great Santa. Uh, mighty winds, mighty champions. Joe wrote so. Those guys, we've been talking about going to the British Thornmower Museum for, for a while and uh, you happen to be up
1: there anyway. So Yeah, I was up at Botdale. Uh, and but the the interesting thing about that is Anthony actually has a moor that was in the uh, that was in the uh, the the museum. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but it's like a it was 60, an old 60, that 70, kind, wasn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. something, something old. But
0: I actually found that really interesting. I know, real, sounds, actually, yeah. I know it sounds I know it sounds probably quite sad for, for most people highlight about it? I thought it was interesting how little the main bits of the mower have have changed, changed since 1830. Mm-hmm. Like okay, they've got better. And there's a load of other superfluous things. Like well, you know, the engines and the, the the way the way the blades turns, but the blades themselves seem to basically mm-hmm. be the same um, since 18 almost 200 years. Can you imagine any other? thing basically remaining unchanged for almost 200 years well it's it's
1: fascinating that a lawnmower was made for taking the bobbly bits off cotton yeah and not for cutting grass and it was and just a like bonus But a you know, without, grass. without that you
0: wouldn't have cricket you wouldn't have golf yeah, you yeah. wouldn't have probably football you wouldn't have all these things that have shortish grass or, or particularly short grass in some cases
1: Oh, the re- the, re- the funny thing for me was the reason why I was at Birkdale I was looking at a new moor that's <laughs> just come to market we're not allowed to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Top uh, secret. So to see that in the morning and then see uh, the very lawnmower museum in the afternoon was, was unreal and we've seen Lily Savage's uh, leopard print pink lawnmower fluffy yep. lawnmower. Brian and, May's uh, got one in there. Brian May. Yeah, and in and the, the, the guy who showed us round uh, oh, um, unbelievable. was, was what brilliant. Unbelievable. He was a lawnmower badger, had... wasn't he? We he should was... get him on this. Yeah, but he was, uh, like, he, uh, whatever, whatever, the, you you don't know about it's
0: not worth knowing. Brian Radam. Radam? Radam? He was great. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce your surname, Brian, I do apologise, but anyone in Northwest who's got a slight interest in cutting grass, as I have a feeling some of you might out there... You really Andy should. Andy Farrell, yourself. you
1: need to get yourself there. Yeah, and, Andy Farrell, and get a, over there. A 1930s uh, Ransom's Ajax. Okay, well, before we lose all of our listeners,
0: um, shall we start asking some of these questions? So,
1: so this is an so open special.
0: This is an open special. Yeah. So, some of you have kindly sent in questions that are not related to the open, but are interesting questions. Which we'll keep in our. Which we'll put, we'll yeah. put in the file. For the next Q and A in a couple of months' time, or yeah, a month's time. and we'll get them out for the next one. So apologies for not answering those questions, but fortunately, we have a few pages of um, of questions relating to the open pledge.
1: Mm. It's so. also worth noting that the there's no beer at this yeah, uh, on no. this episode. We've got loads, but you declined the offer of I the did, beer, didn't I? so yeah. I've you've guilt you've beer guilted me, beer shamed me. So I've had a, a coffee. Are we going to lose our sponsor sponsorship from? Mm. From am drinking out of an Aquatrols mug, you actually, so...
0: There we go. Other wetting <laughs> agents are available. Right, let's start with Josh. Josh from North Berwick. Um, Josh wants to talk about before the Open. And specifically, we had one of the driest April, May, going into June periods. It was hot. All of the courses were absolutely burnt to a crisp. And then it basically pissed it down for two months. So... What was that like? The difference between a dry May and June, and then a really, really wet June and July, in in sort of preparing the golf course.
1: I think if if we if you had to give me the kind of the absolute ideal, then I would be looking for a warm, wet spring, and then a dry, uh, a kind of wetish, warm lead up, and then a a dry and hot from I don't know a couple of weeks out, and then we could have burnt it out. Uh, but instead, we got it the other way about. We were actually we were sitting pretty for quite a while in the spring. It's been a nice where what with the a wet warm early spring, uh, and everything was tickling along nicely. You know, we were getting some great grass grass coverage, and then it just fell off a cliff. We didn't. It did not rain the whole of uh, back end of uh, May and oh, no rain in June. So, as much water we were putting on five hundred cuba night trying to keep everything as green as possible. But the the sprinkler system is old, you know, it's it's come up to seventeen, eighteen years old. A couple of a lot of the uh the heads just don't work exactly the way you want want them to work and there was a lot of the fairies were donutted, you know, like donuts going all up them with the uneven coverage. Uh, so it wasn't looking the way I wanted it It was actually if it had been then I would have been very disappointed. With a lot of the aerial footage wasn't and you how I would to hand water you know, hand yeah, on yeah, yeah. We, well. but I mean there's only so much you can do, you know, you we we're hand watering all the kind of crucial areas, but when I mean, you're talking about having nine hectares of fairways where some of the coverage just isn't brilliant with these old heads. Uh, it just wasn't feasible to be able to do that. And we're clinging on for dear life, you know. I mean, we're putting out our, our maximum allowance every single night, you know, four hundred and eighty cube or something like five hundred cube. Uh, and at one point actually I was making worst case scenario spreadsheets on how long our water was going to last. And if it was going to keep going the way it was, uh, we would have run out during the open and I would have had no water left to restitute, which was petrifying.
0: So we've talked about this before, I think, because it's something that you and I are both quite passionate about. But we have a borehole here at Hoylakes, yes, right? Yes, and uh, 29,000 cubes? Yes, and that wouldn't have been enough if, if been. those conditions had continued exactly. but
1: we wouldn't have done that in a normal year. You know, in a normal year, you would just let it brown out. But yep. we needed to keep it healthy for the open and then brown it out. Uh, the, the, the the issue would have been if we'd kept it like we did in a normal year, we'd browned it out and then it, it, just say it did rain, it would have came back uneven, it would have looked hellish. So we did the right thing. I'm really, really pleased about how we managed it with the water. Uh, I worked hard with Ali Beggs. Uh, making this plan, and I, th- I feel we smashed it to be honest. And the proof of put was in the eating when it came to the open and The place was presented the way it was. Well, it, it was, was actually amazingly even, wasn't it? Yeah, the, definitely. The, I mean, I'm, Mother Nature always bites you back. That's the thing. We, we should take it with one hand. <laughs> yeah, but it always gives back. You know, and it always. It'll probably come out average because I mean, it ain't stopped raining since, has it? Well,
0: no, uh, and and I think we've got plenty of positives to talk about, but. um would you say that was the negative, really, the 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 weather that we had on that final day?
1: Ah, yes, I. Yeah, it was there a question that would kind of. Yeah, Will to Kelly. I'm pretty sure. If, uh... Will
0: Kelly wanted to know, well, if you were happy with the. Oh no, sorry, it wasn't Will. Let's come on to him. It was uh, half par. It was Peter. Um, Peter Hancock wants to know Peter your Hancock. worst moments.
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of feel bad saying this, but you know the. Uh, you always have. In your mind i mean people asked in the, in the run up to the open oh, standing on the 18th green must be like the absolute pinnacle of your career and you think yeah i definitely would be and that for me you always have it in your dreams of what it would be like and because the weather it was so bad i mean it was beyond bad i kept on getting hit in the face with rob mcburney's umbrella and <laughs> uh, i mean looking at my team my team were absolutely soaked because we were given umbrellas and they were standing just at the back and they were absolutely soaked. I mean, there's a great picture of us all, where like our ears are all slick blue, like coming out of the shower. And I just had this vision of us all having a drink out in in the, in the outside the bars outside. And but the reality was, it was there was mud everywhere. Then the end of Sunday night and people were leaving in the droves because the weather was so bad. And there was not as much in I, the stand.
0: Harris and I were sat in the in the grandstand uh, when when Matthew finished. We went and found a place in the grandstand and, and hid under an umbrella. But mm-hmm. um but it was yeah, it was everyone was just wanting to get get back. It was yeah, so people were sort of
1: getting annoyed with each other because they were putting umbrellas up in the grandstand and people were just like, Well I'm doing it and then the folk behind you can't see my dad took unwell uh which really worried me because basically at the end, uh, leaning over the kind of the grandstand, Jenny was shouting, We need to get Peter out of here, you know oh, and, and Gav Gav Speedy, yeah. legend, stole a sky sports buggy. And uh, I'm not sure if you know this, and we had to kind of rip the fencing apart just to get him across the third fairway and get Dad out of there because he was oh, like, no. he was insistent that he's seen everything. You know, yeah. he's eighty four year old diabetic. He's got a hernia just now, and <sighs> amazing that he managed to to do that. he But he was he was absolutely insistent. I hadn't seen him all afternoon. Otherwise, I would have said, you know, sitting watching the house. Yeah. But he was just that was his thing. He wanted to, and we got him out, and he, he recovered. Like he just needed. I mean, he was sitting up there all day and freezing and so it wasn't how I imagined it at the end it broke my heart a bit to be honest that's oh, a shame mate but never mind we still it's still it does sound spoiled saying that maybe a bit I don't know but that's just how I feel you know I, I just really would have loved no, it I mean so much work
0: so much effort so much emotion has gone into it hasn't yeah. it from, from you for months and months and months
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and and then you know you want to you want to enjoy that little little moment so that's mm-hmm. a shame it wasn't but it quite... was
1: still I mean overall it was still epic you know it was still amazing good so Good. I'm not going to moan too much. Don't, don't, no, one will, no one will feel sorry for me, it's fine.
0: <laughs> well, no. um, Well, the question that Will, Kelly, wanted to ask was how happy you were with the golf course overall.
1: Yeah, I thought it was amazing. I thought that the what you can do with having 45 staff is just unreal. <laughs> uh, it, it was perfection, it really was. I mean, the way we had everything, from the way the team worked all together with the new guys and the old guys and what we produced in the morning and at night, uh, I don't think we could have done any better. I really don't. It was great. Good, too. It really was, yeah. I, I think that I'm starting to get some time out to watch it all back on the telly. I, I'm watching Thursday, Friday, <laughs> which is really great. Uh, not I've not watched Sunday yet. I've still got PTSD <laughs> from that. You know, every time it rains, I go and hide in the cupboard. But uh, the, yeah, I, I we've had great remarks from the world of golf and it's all down to everything the guys have done through that it was just amazing no well done mate and, and everyone everyone else who supported you it was it was
0: amazing um, but the second part of his question was would you do anything differently and
1: there's the answer no yeah you know, it would have to be yeah I, yeah. I, I don't think I, I, there was I mean there'll be wee things we'll learn from next year but I think in the majority we we got it pretty right with, with all the loan machinery the way that we, the volunteers had all their kit and where they stayed I think everything was pretty much bob on yeah good um, and then Paul Hughes wants us now your best moments of the week. Uh, I think for for me, I remember being really kind of feeling elated when we finished our last course set up on the Sunday and uh, Ali and I had to go up with uh, Adam Newton and do a talk on the uh, on the 17th green for a load of RNA people. Okay, And I remember I kind of almost felt a bit emotional during that because I was like... Oh, and relax, It's over. Yeah. There's nothing really bad that can happen now. You know, uh, we'll be fine. <laughs> Saying that, uh, with the weather, but the uh, I remember feeling like yeah, this is, uh, it starts now. We're going to enjoy your day to day. And but at that point, the weather was beautiful. it was nice. And I did see the look of absolute horror on the met office lady's face when she seen the radar. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was her uh, as a sight in her face. I'll never forget. But the. Uh, yeah, it, it was, that was really nice just to have finished it and me and Ali give each other a hug on the 18th green and we're like, well done, we've done it. And I've I kind of learned so much during the week that I'll never forget. You know, and a lot of that's down to the RNA guys, the guys. We learned off them. Such a great team, the four of them. They, I couldn't speak highly enough of them. Fantastic. Really fantastic. Um, we've got a great question here from
0: Samba1234. Mm-hmm. We asked a few questions. Uh, and... One of them is about the data that you collected. So what did you collect? How did you manage that? And, and how did that inform the decisions of how you set up the course on a daily basis?
1: So there was two Arnie scholars, uh, Adrian and Scott. So Scott's from Heswall, and Adrian uh, is an Irish guy. He's a, he's a I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a Dublin accent there. That looks quite good for you. Thank you very much. Uh, he's uh, they 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 did all the stimp stimping uh moisture clegging, so Ah Arnie did the stimping. Sorry, apologies. The moisture and clegging was done by these guys. And moisture was the same all the time. It was always hundred percent. Oh, you know, it was like we got them down to the late teens at one point, but at one point it kind of just felt absolutely pointless. But you need to keep taking the moisture. It was up about thirty. But the great thing was, we were thirty percent moisture, and they were still clegging. Uh, 115 which is probably as good as we would ever achieve for that you know 120 with all that rain uh, but the, the reason we had that was just that constant hand cutting you know we were using these toro electric hand mowers brilliant brilliant hand mowers. i mean they are amazing and the uh, 15 psi a proper roll off them you know three times heavier than a roller mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, and yeah I, I mean a lot of the so the data that was collected we would we'd process that and make up our mind of what we were doing the next day Uh, and does that lead on to the next question did he ask well yeah it was
0: did the readings show any trends yeah
1: well they definitely did definitely well we always knew there's there's three sets of greens here at Hoylake so we have uh, the new new greens yeah which are open two seven seventeen chipping green open one as well Uh, that's the new greens so if we say new-new... That, uh, was, that was... So they, they were done last time, and then the Open 1 and 2... Well, they were only in, done in, like, 2012. But they were, they were done before these last lot. Oh, so I see. So they perform yep. a little bit differently. Uh, so the the new-new ones, the ones that were just done recently, uh, they, they need a lot more nutrition. They're off the bat. They're faster straight away. I mean... And then you have, like, the 17th, obviously, which is perched up. So... That's that was one to watch, you know, we really had to watch that didn't get too fast. Uh, I mean so much so that these greens, these bunch of greens that I've just talked about there, I chucked a load of fertilizer on them the other day because they are generally faster than the rest and we need them to grow more, so the, we need them actually slow down a little bit to bring them in line with the rest of the greens, but the other greens in the course are being constructed, we've talked about this before, with dew ponds, so they were taking triple cuts, you know, three cuts in the morning. For those who
0: don't know, who haven't listened to the, perhaps the pre- previous episode when we talked about ponds, um,
1: what's that pledge? How, how is that construction different? So I think the but, back in the cold days when there was no such a thing as irrigation around the greens, they would put like a, a layer of clay underneath to hold on to moisture. Uh, and now that's the opposite thing to what we do because we control moisture through irrigation and then we'll have sand based greens so it's completely one end of the bat to the other so these greens are the first to get diseased they hold more dew as well you know, and hence the reason why the disease spreads faster they are more productive so they grow faster a bit softer so everything you wouldn't want in a green uh, we got them all to the exact same parameters but do you require a lot of different... Uh, More yeah, work, micromanaging. Exactly so. that, yeah. So I mean, the dream would be just to come and single cut everything, which we could have done if they were all the sand construction, the same as one, two, four, blah blah, seven, yeah, yeah, eight, five, seven, yeah, and then so you got you got a stretch of greens from eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven for some reason is not as bad, uh, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, they're all slower, you know, fifteen slower. Uh, sixteen slow, seventeen, eighteen, really slow. You know, because of the grandstand round it. That yeah. was four cuts one morning. Wow. So, uh, in an ideal world, and if we had very, very understanding members that could maybe go and play at wallasey for a year, <laughs> we could lift all these greens, uh, and then sand construct them, uh, and relay them, and then we would have firmer, faster, rest of greens. But it's not an ideal world. The matter of inconvenience for doing that i mean in, in an ideal world you would do it all in a one hour but i think maybe we need to look at that going forward whether we do a couple of year or whatever we've already started i guess so
0: yeah it, it's it's a difference between america isn't it and, yeah. and here I, th- I think um we're doing a place in chicago at the moment and and it's just different you know spend millions and millions mm. so trump it down, will think nothing it. about blowing
1: up <laughs> Doral on the on the on the on the last day you know but the bulldozers uh, come in when the final putts hold, and and, and then they they wrap it up and start again. You know. Yeah, but
0: but managing things alongside the membership and everything else is uh, it's pretty important. It's right? Definitely yeah. a trend.
1: That's a good good question that.
0: Um, and oh, Tom Price wanted to know about growth regulators. You mentioned about putting some fertilizer on on mm-hmm. greens to try and get them to grow at a different rate. So, do you, he wants to know if growth regulators are something that you use in Lynx Golf in general? Uh,
1: yeah, people do use gross raters and regulators on links courses, not as much as what on Parkland uh, I used them a lot down in deal because we had four or five different types of grass in the green uh, but here they've never been used on the green so I didn't want to start mucking about with that. Uh, next year I'm going to start trialling some attractor, which is a seed head suppressant just so, because we're a wee bit of poor, a tiny wee bit for the start of the year so just to kind of try and bring them in line but never primo here. So
0: again uh, not everyone who listens to this is an expert in turf, but so what, what? What is a growth regulator? What's the idea there?
1: So a growth re- regulator is a chemical that stops cell elongation. So the 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 most popular one will be Primo Max, which is the active ingredient Trinexapac Ethyl, uh, and you spray it at different rates uh, depending on your temperature. So you work on growth degrees, i.e., the hotter it is, the more. The, the, the smaller parameter between spraying it so you might spray every 10 days uh, and then in the springs and the autumns it might be every couple of weeks uh, maybe even longer three weeks is there a top end of that spectrum though like if it's too hot uh, no i've never well we if you're working in growth degree days no you could get super hot because you're still watering them and you're watering them and heat then it's going to make them grow more so if if it was i understand what you're saying if it was too hot and there was no water in there then they ain't going to grow because they'll go dormant but we are greens you're always going to be watering them uh you wouldn't be spraying growth regulators on fairways if you were drying them out because it would just scorch you know because it's you get a natural growth regulator i.e the sun uh so yeah it's a big believer in growth regulators for more for the fact where they because they stopped the the going uh, vertical, they 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 density as well. So they could, they're very great for filling in greens and stuff. So, but that's a you could speak a whole podcast on that. <laughs> we didn't use any of this time. Okay, well, should we move on to
0: a slightly contentious topic? Something that we had quite a few questions on, including Ross Jenkinson, including Chris Matthews, and a few others. Was the bunkers? Hmm. So, for those who didn't watch the open on the thursday the hot topic alan's hot topic was um balls being under the face of a you know near vertical they're not vertical but but pretty sharp faces they're not at far times. from a right angle yeah um and having to use your presser in the bunker or whatever to get back to the middle and then or or, or come out sideways or whatever and then overnight on the thursday uh, Thursday night, I think they were slightly changed, were they? So, what, what's the what was the real story behind
1: that pledge? Well, you the storm have in the teacup. A, a, a hundred percent storm in the teacup for me. I kind of believe that they knew where the bunkers were. It's the Open Championship, they needed to be penal. They needed to be hard. It was a defence of the golf course. We don't have as much rough as we would usually have had. The wind there was no wind, really. Was there Friday? Maybe a bit windy. Mm. Yeah, nothing really. But. Uh, it is the Open Championship at the end of the day, they've got, they've got their stroke savers, they know where they are. Uh, and it leads for great viewing as well when you've got Rory having one leg in, one leg out. I mean he's still got up and down with his second shot. Uh I spoke to Brian Harmon about the bunkers on the last day because he he still went for the green and three with a with that big lead uh, and hit it in a bunker and I'd asked him at the champagne reception if he if he if he knew what it was or he was worried about it. And he didn't seem to be bothered too much about it at all. So I think you get uh, the question being, uh, "Does it? Uh, what? How do you feel about it then?" Because I just kind of think that, that if we had bowled them all, like we bowl them for the members just now. You're gonna get people just John Big John Ram with his levers can just stand up, and smash anything in the middle of the, the middle of the green. Yeah, I'm. I'm
0: slightly conflicted. Um, I I think fairway bunkers as as opposed to the greenside bunkers, you know, if you're the fairway bunker, I really like it when people try and take on shots that are exciting to watch and also get tempted into playing shots that they probably shouldn't and almost immediately regret playing. I think that when bunkers are very small and deep and penal Um, there's only one way of of extricating yourself from the bunker, and that reduces the ability of a really good player to show why they're a really good player. So, like, if you chuck me and Tiger Woods into a lot of fairway bunkers that are, you know, very small and very deep, then I can play the same shot as Tiger Woods. We're both just getting out our lob wedge and trying to get it 20 yards or whatever. Mm -hmm. But... If we were in bunkers where there's a bit of shape a bit of a difference of of depth of some of them and tiger can slice a seven iron off his front foot up and round and get it onto the green and i'm just standing there like holy shit! you know that's that's why he's tiger woods and i think that any opportunity for a world-class player to demonstrate why they're a world-class player should be encouraged and i do want so you would have like you'd have bold fairy bunkers and then no, that, no that I, green I, side. I I don't think also then that you, there's there's one answer to this you know i've spoken on this podcast a number of times my favorite bunkers in the world are at castle stewart where every bunker is different and there are times when you can perhaps go for things and, and hit certain shots but there are times you, you should never want to be in a bunker and I absolutely take that point. That in America, often where they have very thick rough around greens, and and the sand is almost like the sanctuary. They'd rather be in a bunker because they're going to get up and down. But I think there are degrees between those two, um, those two sorts of um, the setups. So the then the only other thing I would say is, if the bunkers stop you taking on heroic shots in uh, as as you approach a green, so. An example would be that 18th you know that 18th uh, is 610 15 yards mm-hmm. something like that dog legging round out of bounds to hit the fairway in the first place requires a pretty good drive mm-hmm. um and a lot of people chose not to take on the fairway at all off the tee and played left and play it as a three shotter well the amount of risk to go for the green in two and the most likely place that you're going to end up is a bunker and I'm sorry, anyway, I just, I don't really buy the thing that, you know, if, if you're going for, if you're trying to get your ball 620 odd yards and you end up in a bunker, there's no golfer in the world who's good enough to avoid that bunker. Like, you either go in the bunker or you don't go in the bunker, but the degree of probability says that there's a good chance you'll end up in the bunker, even if you are Ben Hogan. You know, like, no one is so good that's over a 300-yard shot they can avoid a bunker. It's, it's, it's when the ball's running along the ground, it might happen or it might not. But if the bunker means that you are not going to take on that shot in the first place, so that you f- almost force people to play this as a three shot hole, then um, I think that makes it slightly less interesting. So I think it was a great decision, personally, to make them slightly more playable on the Friday and, and onwards, because if it had just carried on, with Rory and, and Ramon, whoever it was who was just hacking out sideways of, of the bunkers on 18 then no one would have gone for that green in two they only would have played this as a three shot hole in in my opinion and what made that hole interesting on balance was the fact that some people chose to play it as a three shot hole and some people tried to play it as a two shot hole
1: and um, there were a few eagles and Brian Harmon made eagle on it didn't he
0: yeah but, and i mean you've got to hit the shortest a, like, player amazing mm. shots to, to mm. do that but if 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 the reward for an amazing shot is is an unplayable third shot, then why
1: would you take it on in the first place? I mean, if you there's 150 people playing a day. There's 80-odd bunkers out there. There's going to be bunkers hit. There was loads of shots where the ball was in the middle of the bunker. It was just... And I still believe... I mean, it was such a storm in a teacup for me because when we shaped them, I mean, we literally put them up one rivet. It wasn't... It, in fact... No-one would even have known about it had, like, I don't know, some journalist or whatever's heard something, and then it's spread, and the next thing it's like, media just love to get a story, and they're, they're going on as if we've, like, rebuilt the bunkers, and it's like, we've yeah. done nothing to them. We we do. But there's no difference to that than changing heights of cutting greens or fertilising bits or pieces here or there. I mean, we, we literally do overnight changes agronomy-wise as well. So, uh you would still get balls rolling up to the edge even when they're bold. I mean, we have them super bold just now, like we do for the members. Absolutely. We had you there other night in our foursomes match. Uh, I had a beautiful drive up the first ever one. I mean, this thing, <laughs> considering it Thanks, was Bunch. a beautiful draw, it must have been two, 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 eighty. I think. I left you 80 yards, 84 yards. It was more than normal
0: 220,
1: definitely. It was, I left you 84 yards and you put me in the bunker. But the bunker's a beautifully bold just now, right up against the face. Yeah, well,
0: exactly, and this is the thing. It's I think we're just talking about degrees of, of the that's same just, thing. Just aren't we? over the top, I think. They, they of just course, you can have a, big time. you can always have a bad lie in the bunker. Um, so the, the way they played for for the the following days, I thought that was perfect. And,
1: and but the, that's what I'm saying. There was they would still. I didn't. There was still boys getting up against the face like they would when when they were bold. Uh, but with, with us with the members, we make them super bold and we make them slick. Whereas we were. Tooth raking them with little plastic members. but I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but we raked the bunkers with the 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 same rakes as the the, the members use. The wee plastic oh, really? ones. Yeah, they did the best job, but the bunkers were meticulous. I mean, Jesus, they they, they spent more time doing these eighty bunkers with six people to get them perfect than yeah. than anything. And the boys did an amazing job. No, well, fantastic the uh, interesting future opens you see I mean bunkers Christ almighty it's a hazard you shouldn't be in them anyway so if you're in them then stuff it I don't care I just think a lot of them are pampered when it comes to stuff like that they know where they are it is a hazard of course you couldn't even rake them back in the day you know what I mean you would be just full of footprints and all sorts of stuff And
0: should we move on
1: to an yeah, even more we awesome contentious a <laughs> <word>. <laughs> well from one form of
0: sand to another um I'm so <laughs> almost scared asking this um there's been a bit of press shall we say pledge uh, on social media and other podcast outlets on Sanskrit mm. I know you're a keen advocate of sans-grapes. What uh, Grant Peters wanted to know what your opinion was on um, some American media outlets um, who have perhaps a slightly lower
1: opinion of scrapes than than you you might what, what would you, you say to them? A I know the exact one you're talking about because I was asked to go and talk on their podcast and I, I've declined for for just now. I, I feel that people need to, A, understand the facts, get the facts right. B, I mean, these guys haven't even visited this place, as far as I know. No. Am I right in saying that? Uh, I wouldn't know exactly. but I, I don't, don't think, think they were some here of to them see them. And also... A... Can... Uh, I mean, Martin Ebert didn't do these sandscapes. He only did the ones... He designed the ones in 17, but we've got sandscapes right the way along the coast that look beautiful. Uh, the latest one we've done in front of the 7th T doesn't look quite right yet, granted, because it was, we've only just done it, like literally just done it. These sandscapes take years to, to blend in. The ones at Deal we've got are only starting to look good now. They need to blow around the place. They need to blow out of the intended area. They need to blow up. They need to colonate with... Uh, Fescues, marm grasses, and if you're really lucky, in a lot of places, sea limes and stuff. You know, it takes a while. You you just Rome wasn't built in a day, and I I just I think that they were quite harsh with some of the stuff they're saying that they look contrived, etc. But of course they were when they're first constructed. You know, it 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 takes time, and I can see that the 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 ones on the left hand side of uh, open twelve and thirteen look awesome now, and they're the oldest ones. Yeah. I I would I'd would agree with that actually the the ones to the left of um
0: yeah in uh open 12 that one looks particularly good and that it used to be great. a gorse bush and it used to be when the gorse bush was removed because this was before you joined uh when the gorse bush was removed you you'd stand on that green and i think that hole is called D mm-hmm. and you couldn't see the D estuary at all but now you can because it's come
1: down a bit and it looks great because it's natural um it was one of our old greenkeepers Chris Moores, that that, that did that very handy in a digger and a tilt rotate. Uh so yeah, that's not Martin Ebert design. Rob Griffiths, our farming contractor, done the ones along the uh along the the, the uh along with the fourteenth. I mean, he's coming back next year we're ripping more gorse out of there because the gorse is overtaking the dunes, we don't want that and yes, we'll I've sent Rob loads of pictures and we'll work together to try and make them more Rosapena or well, sand hills. Sand, yeah. sand sandy
0: hills yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, but I think the interesting thing there is um I may be completely wrong here, but I remember talking to Clyde, I think, about it. And there's loads of open there was a, loads of open sand that they sort of rooted the holes around. So mm. uh it's, it's probably been like that forever. Yeah, so the the sand the sand scrapes on in a lot of cases, some of them were, but not all of the sand scrapes were created to be the hazards on on the holes after the holes were laid out, it was mm. quite the reverse. The holes were built around the sand
1: scrapes, just as you know, just as the golf courses would have been hundred and fifty years ago. Yeah, I mean, this place would have looked like this a couple of hundred years ago. You know, there'd be open sand everywhere. But the the other thing is, yeah, the other thing is uh, the the biggest bits of open sand to the left of fourteen. Uh, we used them for mining sand. We needed to get. Thousands of tons worth of sand to use for top dressing. Uh, so that's why they're as open as that. But looking from the clubhouse, they look magnificent, you know? I've talked
0: about Skibo as well. Like, like you know, I'm perhaps not the world's biggest advocate for sand for scrapes from a design point of view, but I think when they are incorporated, like, you know, like Sandy Hills is a good example there. Sorry, not Sandy Hills. Um, St. Patrick's at Rosapena. Um But also um somewhere like skibo castle you know skibo castle the reason why i talk about there is i think that's one of the best examples of sort of rough and you know there'll be loads of people who say you manage the playing surfaces and and Mm -hmm. and if you're in the rough that's your fault and and again i i really don't like that argument personally because i think that You know, no player in the world hits at one hundred percent of fairways, especially when it's windy and especially if they're reasonably narrow. So you, you know, the fact is, golfers are going to go in the rough. And one of the things they do so well at Skibo is the the whole landscape, the whole estate, from the lichen fields that they have. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be covered in gorse, and now there's hardly any gorse there. You can't play golf out of a gorse bush. There's hardly any gorse. There's heather. Uh, the, the rough you you can it's so long it comes up to your knee, but you can see a ball from 20 yards away. You don't lose it. you might get a flyer out of it. it might wrap around the shaft of your club and and, and embarrass you with the shot that you fail to hit. But you always find your golf ball and where it's where they have particularly low patches, um, that would sit wet and and they'd really struggle to get the finer grasses. I think they've used uh, the small little scrapes, the pockets there mm-hmm. to to sort of manage the the landscape um, more more wholly and I think
1: that works really well. Yeah, there's so many benefits. I mean, ecology wise, if you if you could list the amount of uh, insects and butterflies, and we've actually in one of our sandscapes to the left of seventeen, we've got a. Uh, We've got the foxes living there just now, and uh, by living in that Sanskrit, scrape, it means that they keep away from doing damage elsewhere. So we just leave them be there. So, I uh, it's. Uh, I think people need to know the whole facts without and get them right. You need to be professional in getting your uh, actual facts right. I mean, Martin has only done seventeen, so it's as simple as that. You know, we, It's things aren't as black can and white, they? well.
0: They're not as black and white as um as often they're made out. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll agree on, the, on that one. Right, next question. A few questions here. Gav Speedy. Gav. He wanted to know how you relaxed during the Open. What what did your day look like?
1: Uh, my alarm went off back at three. I always made sure I had a shower every morning to, to wake up. Definitely a good idea. Yeah, it definitely is. Apart from one morning where I was just so bushed that I couldn't even see there was one one night that i had a like I, I remember still being wide awake at midnight and knowing that i had to get up at three it was just this horrible feeling because you're lying there look at your clock uh and you're like right okay counting the hours right if i sleep now if i go to sleep now and i wake up that's three hours right okay and then then you'll see half 12 right if i go to sleep now that's two and a half hours come on let's try and get two and a half and it puts so much pressure on yourself that you don't actually sleep uh I remember Graham Beat at Port Rush told me that you would live through adrenaline the whole week and he was right. You know, I didn't sleep through the day because I had an earpiece in and I was waiting on any calls for... And it happened a lot, you know, not a Jacks, Just Stop Oil, all that kind of nonsense. <laughs> so, Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, and also, we're living on site. If you did try and, like, get five minutes on the couch watching the golf, the minute Rory holds a putt on the ninth green, which is outside my garden... Yeah. Big roar outside, Big roar and it's it's definite. It's amazing, <laughs> yeah. So that was great. So I I, I didn't I, I, we we as Garv knows we all relaxed on the Sunday night. It was brilliant. We had a great party, which you came to Yeah, at. that was good fun. Yeah, it was great. It was amazing. In fact, like the boys were great fun. Uh So that was the kind of the final time I could relax. Yeah, but well, that answers Andy Birchall's question of your average amount of sleep. It sounds like. Not a lot. No, not much at all. The, the team were lucky enough to go back to bunker bins during the day, but unfortunately for me, uh, I couldn't. I just physically couldn't either. So, well, fair enough. You managed, got through it. Just and you know, I think after two days of the practice rounds, so the first we started on the Sunday, so the Sunday before. And what I need to let everyone realize is your your practice setup. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are actually the same standard as the open sunday there was no difference uh there were proper dry runs for the actual big event so when it's a practice day for the pros it's a practice day for you guys as well. yes exactly but we got it we got it pretty much right from from day two or three or whatever but they were still as hard to work and they were still doing the same things we did on open sunday i mean bear in mind we had a team that came in that didn't know the machines didn't know each other didn't know the course so even though we had the course walk on the saturday night for everyone to familiarize themselves some of them hadn't used john deere fairy for example so we had a bit of training to do there as well and but we had great guys like adam uh, foot my assistant greenkeeper was heading up the the, the the fairy team so matt Plested was on that and he was bringing tennis balls to chuck at each other if anything was going wrong and stuff so <laughs> that was pretty cool yeah, we would do course set up until ten, and then have a bit of rest time until three in the afternoon. Is when I would uh, start the the army meetings, and then work from six at night till probably about ten, and then. But as I say, there was one night when it was out. What were we doing? What was I doing? We were gonna we were gonna water one of the greens at okay. night. we were gonna water the seventeenth green during the night because it was too fast in the morning. Uh, and we wanted to still give it a cut, you know, we didn't yeah. ever want to get the position where we weren't cutting a green because it was too fast, so how do we cut it, yet uh, still keep the maintained and not get too fast? we we we'll chuck some water on it, so, we, the water was going to go on at night, but then I, I was about to get down to bed, and I was like, damn it, we've got these Tough covers on the heads, and um, I'm so glad I remember because I had just, they might have just popped up and fine because they were light enough, but what I had in my, the fear and the reason why I wouldn't be able to sleep was because what happens if it didn't have enough pressure to pop up and pop the, the AstroTurf mat up yeah. with the wood with the on it, and it flooded the green. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, got yeah. jammed that it started, just so I was just so I was like, "Damn it!" So I went up in the truck and moved all them. Me and Garth went up actually. Okay. Pretty sure Gar. Fraser Fraser Peacock came up with me. Gotta take your plumber with you first. Well, that's like why we t- I took took the plumber up just to, and he we jumped out and moved them. But then when I came back, I was so wired that I couldn't sleep. <sighs> Nightmare. Well, it didn't flood. In fact, none of the greens flooded. Oh. Uh, I know we've moved on from that question about thirty the- mill of rain in the last day and one two puddles in the course. One behind the second surround, and on the surround, which the boys squeegeed off, and one in on the ninth path. That was it. Did you have to have the lads with a squeegee ready we to... We did, but I knew that they wouldn't flood. They weren't, wasn't necessary. Even no. the ones with the, the dewpods? Yep, they were fine. Brilliant. Not a single spot. 200 feet of sand, I'm told. By you. Is that right? Did you oh, tell I that? I just plucked a number from... Did you have been there? telling everyone that? Okay.
0: Don't listen to me, <laughs> Christ. Um, but yes, there's plenty of, there's plenty of sand underneath. Hoylick. I don't think we need to worry about it. There you go. Um, so Stuart Hope asked a great question, which isn't strictly related to the open, but I definitely think we should ask it. Um, he wants to
1: know what golfers can do to make greenkeepers' jobs easier. I Great question, great question. Everyone knows what the answer's going to be, isn't it? Pitch marks. Pitch marks. Pitch marks. I mean, like, no one repairs a oh, pitch marks. Well, I I do mine and I do 10. No, no, you don't.
0: Because <laughs>
1: if you did, then I wouldn't have to do 30 every morning. Yeah. What about um teas? So if you... Picking up tea pegs. Yeah. yeah. Don't use
0: plastic teas. Don't use pink chapel plastic teas. What about when you break a tea in the in the ground? Like, is, does do any of those things cause problems? Ah,
1: yeah, I, I think... Uh, pick up the pick up the bit you stick it in with and chuck it away, whatever. It'll degrade as wooden. Uh, and put the broken bit in your tea in your pocket for to use in the uh in the next part three. But uh, uh it's plastic teas that are more of a worry to be honest with you. They don't they also they ain't degrading like ever. And uh, they, they're just a pest. They really are. They're unsightly as well. I remember seeing a photo What uh worry me more though. In teas.
0: I remember seeing a photo on um on Twitter or something, and it was they turf cut the a, a, a tee and stripped stuff, And there's just oh, like yeah, thousands under the, of, yes, not half uh, tea pegs yeah.
1: underneath the ground, yeah, all the ones that are pushed to it, yeah, yeah, and just in forever, down. yeah. Uh, and amazing, uh, bit, I mean, divots as well, divots and pitch marks. What about replacing divots? Because at
0: some places, um, I think Port Marnock, uh, Darragara, he might, might, um, um. Might get the rifle club involved here by by a false accusation, but I think they're they they don't repair divots. They they send everyone out with a little bag of seed and mm-hmm. sand. Um, do do you think? What, what do you think? If best you're way? taking
1: a badger divot, I you mean we get you on track, man. You're minus seven or something like that, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, I just chop. And the ball. But that's good. It's good for I'm me because sure you put down that. a thick divot. It's going to grow. But for a little squeefs off the top, then. Uh, Is like that's the technical term. Me and Tom Watson. Now uh, you look up in the dictionary. <laughs> it's uh, you pretty much just leave it. I would have thought you know little kind of things. But if there's anything worthwhile and growing back, but it looks untidy if it's out. We we we'll, we'll, we have an artisan section, that are great divoters and they flick out all the old divots and yeah, and replace them with divot mix. So yeah. Okay, well that's a great question from Stuart we'll Please replay your pitch marks, everyone.
0: But let's get back to know, to the open. others. Um, Twenty others. Uh, so Colin McGlue, this is a, this is I thought this question was great. So he was saying, he works at Lytham. I I presume I don't know Colin, but in twenty eighteen, when when it was that really really dry summer, yes. Carnoustie had the open that year. It was baked out, if you remember. Um, but they had the women's open at Lytham, mm-hmm. and he said that it was so dry and so burnt out that it was really hard to put the course back together again afterwards. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Because it was so wet here,
1: did that cause more problems, or is that does that make it slightly easier? On the Sunday night, it looked like Glastonbury, but since it's looked really good, you know, and I'm actually surprised at how easy this is going to be. And hopefully, and the fact that it's still going to be wet from now on, probably the rest yeah. of the year. Yeah, I have just have a feeling I can't see it changing any any heat wave now. Uh, there's a good chance that we're going to be able to grow everything back really well. Uh, I mean literally a lot of these ruts we can go over the sand pro and, and smooth them out and then we'll take our, our uni rake across the, the heavy roughs and break them up and stuff and then the, the Vrido actually does a really good job the overseeder does a, does a really great job in levelling out as well so uh, I think it's it's we're, we're primed up really to, for, a, for a top recovery and I would hope that when everyone's off site start of September we should have it hopefully recovered by by the end of the autumn so is that when they reckon everyone's going to be finished all of the infrastructure start of September yes I will, I'm i heading up to Scotland next week yep by the time we come back we should almost all be done wow that Phenomenal is quick, isn't it never seen anyone work as hard as these guys okay um, question
0: well that was that was the other part of it really Simon Smith was talking about the mud because it's very rare that you see mud at Hoylake, but then yeah. it's very rare that you see over 50,000 people walking
1: around in torrential rain for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and buggies, and and, and, buggies and, 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 yeah. uh, and and all the infrastructure, uh, telehandlers and tractors moving trailers around and stuff. You know, we have got a lot of overseeding to do on haul routes, which is the areas where we use ourselves. Uh, I mean, all, all the areas, up edge, EGL, all the ferries all need overseed aid, where the grandstands were. Some bits need overseeding. What well. are you I'd going know, to seed with? Seed or something? Fescue or fescue you... on fescue and all the all the native areas, uh, and on the whole routes we put ryegrass in. Fescue just wouldn't last a second. Yeah, oh, because we get a loss of traffic here, don't we? It's literally two passes, you know, up and back. Yeah, not wide. Yeah, enough to enough to get a fair way more up. Okay,
0: excellent. Well, Matt Plested, already mentioned. Top
1: bloke. Matt wants to know how do you feel now. Now it's all over. Uh, Proud? Yes, I definitely. I mean, everyone told me you'd have a massive downer after the Open. I've not really had that, to be honest. I've, I've uh, I'm, I'm glad we've done it and glad we've done it successfully. Uh, my butterflies have subsided. I was actually more nervous, and this is a God's honest truth. I was more nervous about Jenny's fortieth birthday party last <laughs> week than I was about the Open. That is a God's honest truth. And it didn't rain because I was in. Well, my lovely assistants. Uh, Louisa, Jillian. There's no point in naming them. They don't listen to this. Uh, help me with with, with Jane's fortieth, which could have been a disaster when you're organising a surprise party, as you all yeah. know. But uh, with the open, I had forty-five guys that were helping me constantly, which is amazing. So we all we all we took took a forty-fifth share of the management each. You know, I didn't I didn't do it all more, and it's it's really important to know that.
0: Yeah. Well, where are they now? The um, Do you still keep in touch with all of your volunteers? Yes, you I, we, had a, we, had a, to... we
1: had a WhatsApp group, which was really cool, and we all still keep in touch. Uh, there was obviously loads of guys that I'd never met before, and I think all the Open Courses volunteers from the Open Courses uh, all made great friends, which is super. And I think the, the nicest story that's come out of it, uh, two, and we we'll have to kind of wish them congratulations. Very much so. Yeah, two of our volunteers will start graham roberts uh was successful with former guests on the podcast
0: yes he was yeah in fact that podcast that was recorded over about five different rooms as we kept having to move locations in the hotel at btme uh graham roberts and greg easton were both uh one was the course manager of Hailing and one was the deputy course manager well now greg is of course as he started at george's yeah he started last week first week last week course manager of raw st george's yeah. greg easton and and his successor was graham so he's been promoted yeah. to the top job there i love i love hailing i think a lot of people know that but i'm excited to see how he continues greg's good work
1: really amazing actually for for that to happen and uh both boys are just absolutely in love with their job you know uh and so so that's that, that's been a super kind of development since yeah uh, and another Greg as well, and um, yeah, and, and Greg Greg Compton, who's one of the guys who's lucky enough to win the apprentice competition, yeah. straight into Parkstone, straight out of Compton, straight out of Compton, Greg, straight into Compton. Yeah, and he's, uh, he got a job at Parkstone. Yeah, Parkstone. and obviously Tom Breerley, the deputy at Parkstone, was one of the volunteers here, so made that contact straight away. Uh, Tom seen his work first hand. I mean, you couldn't pull Greg out of the seventeenth front bunker. On Sunday. He kept raking. It It was like, Greg, what are you doing? He says, oh, I just... want to just keep working? (laughs) He literally (laughs) said that to me. He was like... And then he partied all night with us. I mean, I think it finished at midnight. And then drove... Because he wasn't drinking. He drove back down to Kingsland. Because he had had to work the next day. So he stayed up all night. He drove from midnight till four or five in the morning and then went straight to work at Kingsland.
0: You're joking. No.
1: So... uh. His work was brilliant throughout the week. It was really great. And uh, and I'm so happy that he got in. And, and, and there's a beautiful story out of that, that, that he's going to develop his career at uh, at Parkstone, which is one of my favourite golf courses. And Fantastic. Two of my favourite people down there, Grant Peters and, and, and Tom Brearley. I mean, he's going to love working there. It's beautiful in cool. Harry. Harry Redknapp lives there. What's it called? Sandbanks. Sandbanks. Yeah. Stunning area.
0: Now, I remember after... So I went I was down there this is a complete digression after the open at Royal St Georges and do you remember that week was so hot yes was the hottest was the hottest hot. week of yeah, the year yeah, yeah. um and Harris had come back home and I was just pootling along by myself and going along that south coast and um I remember there's a there's a pub I think down by pool. I think it's called the Pig mm-hmm. something like that and you just go and like have a swim in the sea afterwards it was hot Um, gorgeous, gorgeous parts of the world well, shall we round off one last question from Ben Scrivener he said in a previous episode of this podcast Dan Lightfoot uh, you talked about when you went to shadow Dan Mm -hmm. Um, what do
1: you feel about people shadowing you, Bledge? I've done that a few times and I'd encourage that definitely Uh, so I'd love to do that every year to be honest. I'd love to have a day where we have someone come in. Uh, and in fact, there's a guy who's got in touch from Queenwood that's going to come oh, in very nice. uh, for for a day in September and work and see what we get up to. Uh, and you'll see kind of two poor opposite golf clubs, really Queenwood Nuss and, us and uh, Stevie Richardson. I mean, I would love to go and work shadow Stevie to be honest with you, yeah. still, because uh, Stevie I hold in the highest regards. I mean, he produces things that. That I would produce in my dreams as well, you know, whether it be the uh, his his facilities for his staff. He's just built a gym. I mean, Queenwood is the single most impressive golf course I've ever seen inside and out. Wow, it's unbelievable. It's like getting dropped in upstate New York, you know, to produce something like that in Surrey is is is, is ridiculous. And uh, yeah, I I I'd like to go and work shadow him. So I think it doesn't matter what level you are to go and. I mean, so you'd have f- someone else next year. Yes, I do. Def- Every year i would take someone. Every year for a day, yeah, it'd be good. And and we've done it before. Yeah. How about yourself? Would you? Is it something that happens in architecture? I don't know really. Um, do you want me to set up something with Tom and Yeah, I'd love to.
0: Um, there's there's uh, that. I think that's the great thing about architecture. Is a lot, a lot of people have the same philosophy but different ways and different. You know uh, The great thing for me at the Open and, and, and the week before it is all of our partners in our firm were, were sort of in the country and normally Mike's in wherever, building a golf course in Tasmania and Clayton's in Australia or they're in America or whatever and I spend a lot of time with Frank um, and whilst everyone has a shared philosophy, different uh, look at the same problem from different angles often end up at the same, the same result, uh, the same solution but but solving that same problem in different ways, so I I don't think that there is any any um, anything that you couldn't learn from shadowing different people because I can only imagine that that same point would be uh, you know exemplified by mm-hmm. by usually had a dozen different architects they might all well arrive at the same the same outcome but from a diff- dozen different angles and I find that really interesting. It's very beneficial,
1: definitely. Everyone's got their own perspective. It's great, and you can come away from work shadowing on a whole load of pictures on your phone that of ideas that you can implement at your own work, whether you're an assistant, a deputy or a course manager. Uh, we I've got one last question here I'd okay. like to input. Cookie Jar Golf. And he obviously knows the answer to this. <laughs> but it's good to tee it up. Uh, will there be any films about the oh. Open from a Greenkeeper standpoint? Will well, funnily film? you should ask that. Uh, Tom... Mills, a good friend of ours uh, from Cookie Jar Golf, filmed an incredible piece during the Open, of which is literally days from being released. Brilliant. And by the time this podcast is released, it could already be, so we could join on to it. But it's basically showing the life from my point of view, from the setup, and then it goes into showing what life's like from my point of view and from the Greenkeepers and the volunteers during the Open the cameo from Fletcher in it, which is nice. Uh and it's just it's beautifully made. Tom's one of the best cinematographers I've met. Yeah. And for us to have this in Greenkeeping is phenomenal to show what we do and how hard the teams work and what a great lifestyle this is and what a great job. And it I really want to put it out there so we can get more people into the industry uh and, and, and just have more exposure to the fact that it is a job you know like a fireman or a policeman you know it is an actual vacation a lot of people don't know what greenkeeper is i met an interesting guy yesterday who was super interested in my job and i was like he was like oh that's amazing that's brilliant oh show me this show me that and he was loving it and i said to him what do you do and he's like i'm a flight navigator (laughs) in a tornado and i was like unbelievable like hero can you do a job for a day? Exactly, and and but what I kind of I was like, he's super super interested in my job, uh, and people are, you know, I think people really are. Oh, that sounds quite quite a cool job, and but to show them in a video form how cool a job it actually is, you know, I'm watching him show me videos of his flying through the Mac Loop in Wales in his Tornado, and wow. in, in Afghanistan and all sorts, and thinking this is amazing. But yet he was interested in mine.
0: No, I, I think we all love golf, don't we? And, um, you know, to have an appreciation of the courses we play on, so much work goes into mm-hmm. them, so that would be
1: great to see yeah, I think to it's, it, it shows it really well, and I can't thank Tom enough and for the other guys that were willing to be in the video and stuff as well. You know, it's it, it's it's brilliant, and I hope that we can share it and get it out there and get it the recognition it deserves. Great. Okay, well, shall we leave it there, Bledge, because, you know, you've got your life back now.
0: You may as well go and enjoy us on a Sunday. I'm going to be spreading bark in the back garden you know that, you're going to help me actually living it up, mm. right, well thank you everyone for listening, thank you for all your questions we're going to keep these podcasts coming now, uh, which we say every time.
1: Guests now for a bit, Yeah, I think we do maybe a Q&A every, every one in four or one in six or something. Yeah,
0: well I think you seem to like them, if you do, let us know if you don't, then you can Feel free to keep that opinion to or yourself. Any,
1: <laughs> any uh, ideas, any guests you'd want to hear?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We always like the feedback, so please do let us know. I'm uh, Bledge. Thanks very much. Well done, mate. Thank you you did it. You survived the open. Yeah. Um, and it was a great success. Thank you very much.